So this episode took a long time to happen, so my apologies for that. A new job and uh, scheduling conflicts and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, initially, we had a pretty neat one lined up for you with two photojournalists ready to talk about the state of media, uh, but they uh, unfortunately had some technical difficulties. So what you're going to get is something that Alvin and I recorded probably a month ago, if not more. <laughs> Just talking shit about uh, what's happening around us. So my apologies for the long wait, and there may be even a longer one if we can get episode 5 out, but uh, here we present to you what we talk about when we talk about nothing. Thanks for keeping us uh, around. If you have any suggestions or topics, hit me up on the email or DM me on the Instagram, or uh, get involved in our Discord channel. It'd be cool to get new voices and uh, some new perspectives on talking this craft that we love called photography. Well, yeah, there's like some new cats coming out too in the Calgary photo scene as well. I've been seeing kids walking around, but I don't know who they are. Yeah. I'd like, do you know them or have you met I them? I probably don't. Um, I'm pretty out of touch with the photo scene here, except with like, you know, the, the ones that I'm familiar with, like the people Old who work heights. at the camera store. Yeah, yeah. Um, some exposure-related uh, adjacent people. Adjacent, um, I love it, yeah. But it's like, they probably don't know me either. <laughs> no, you know, like, when we were at the Arbus thing, like, we'll bump into people we remember, but uh, we don't we don't get that uh, that old-school community camaraderie because, uh, like, I don't, I don't know, I'll speak for myself, but I've been hiding. So you lose touch, right? Because yeah. all those people are still sweating. They're all out there active uh, applying for shows and just live in the uh, festival life so yeah which is good um yeah good for them. i mean yeah i'd be doing this i should be doing the same thing but i don't know i haven't really i don't really see photography as a career choice or whatever anymore mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah like i'm not as ambitious as i used to be but maybe it's because we've come to the conclusion or we've been disillusioned and numb or whatever yeah, like I still like doing it. Just I'm just not as hungry as I used to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's something about, I mean, we talked about it when Danny was on here, but just maybe we have a schism with what we believe the end product represents for us. So, you know, last episode, it's a couple of months ago now, but I was talking about how money fucked that up for me. But uh, even like if you're going to be a purist about art, it's such a tricky slope, right? I uh, like what is good art and what makes me feel fulfilled about something that I've built. Uh, like I, I uh, have been sneaking back on Instagram because of this job. I have to be a little bit more social. And you had a post, uh, you posted a photo. I don't know if it's an old one where somebody kind of like looked back uh, through a scarf or something. I, I don't remember that well, but you know, it's a cool image. And uh how do you compare that? Let, let's say we were at the Diane Arbus ex exhibition. You know, like they're not comparable. They're fundamentally different things. And what speaks to one person doesn't necessarily speak to another. So as an artist or as the photographer, how do you, how do you draw meaning out of that? That's a tough one. I don't yeah. know. I, I think I look at things. Well, I don't really look for a meaning. I just look at how the picture looks on its surface level, right? Mm -hmm. Like... Like, are there questions that, that I have about this photo? Is there something going on that looks out of the ordinary? Ultimately, does the photo, well, I shouldn't ask that, but as oh, ask it. if oh. it was my photo, if it was my photo, I would ask the question, does this look, does this look like something that was totally transformed from what I originally saw, right? Like maybe I hadn't, maybe I had an idea of how this photo turned out before I clicked the shutter. And then once it came out, whether it was on digital or on film, you know, just going through the edits, like, does this look completely different? And like, does this completely like, I don't know, change my perspective? Like, does it flip my perspective on how I originally saw the thing in real life? Well, that's let's... how I look at photos, you know, like I don't draw, yeah, I don't try to draw meaning from it. Like, like <laughs> something that, mm, I guess something that a lot of people try to find uh, poetry or whatever, or to evoke an emotion. And that's valid, but I don't know. Yeah, like To steer away from kind of like always talking about the same thing. I mean, if we look at 
so in Calgary right now, uh, I mean, it's it's amazing, but uh, Contemporary Calgary brought in the Diane Arbus exhibitions. And you and JC, I, I, we went together and uh, and your dad, like you guys obviously know more about Diane Arbus than I do. But in, you know, in terms of this idea of uh, intent to make art, and we'll never know because she passed away a long time ago. Um, you know, what is your sense in how that work was built? Do you think we write the story of how intentional it is after we appreciate the image? Or do you think like, for example, the masters kind of like at the end of their game, you know, maybe not at the very beginning, of course, but you know, now she's intentionally bringing this giant fucking camera out into a park and finding these uh, misfits in, in a sense that she knew exactly how she wanted it to turn out and it's very controlled or is it very passive? Cause uh, you know, it's, it's hard for me to, comprehend, especially with film photographers. If you've got a limited number of plates, you're not going to be out there spraying and praying. You're going to be sitting there composing, especially with these portraits. You're going to be composing how they sit or where you're taking the photograph or, you know, what angle to like accentuate, for example. Like I, I'm thinking about that guy with the super skinny legs or a lot of them are top down just to distort the perspective. I mean, what what, what did you get out of being there? And, uh, and in the context of how we worry about how to take pictures for ourselves, like... It seems different. You mentioned that um, whether something was whether it was controlled or passive, and I think it's a bit of both. I think that her choices, as far as her subject was, was very controlled, and how she framed things, right? But her interactions with her subjects were very passive, right? They kind of, she kind of let themselves be themselves, right? And I think, I guess at the time that was very i don't know like a, a very interesting way of doing photography at the time just because photography was more catered towards you know like photojournalism um advertising right whereas if you i guess in the context of photography around that time it's it's like taking photos of these let's say marginalized people for but for what right like there wasn't any story there wasn't anything to sell and i think that was that's what was interesting about Deanne Ar arbus because what's the political the most politically correct way to say this like she was to some extent mentally ill there was there was certainly something that ticked her right and did she commit suicide like how did she, she did she did away? commit suicide yeah okay so yeah there was a problem right yeah there's a problem there's for a sure problem and the the thing is she came from uh, a very prominent well upbringing do. right well you have to be i mean I, my question then uh, outside of this uh, the mental health is like you know could she have made this work today in cancel culture is it exploitative especially if she's coming from privilege you know can you make these pictures today well maybe i don't know maybe i i don't really subscribe to the idea of cancel culture because to me it's not real you know you'll see like conservatives or whatever say that I'm being canceled, blah, blah, blah. But like, say, Dave Chappelle will still have a Netflix special, right? He's not being canceled as far as material gains goes, right? To, to roll it back to Arbus, a lot of people viewed her work as exploitative. And if you look at it from like, I think, a uh, class analysis, because she was like upper middle class, uh, photographing, you know, these like people Gen at carnivals, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. Gen like really, bottom. yeah, like really fucking like marginalized people, right? Like, yes. of course, yes. at the surface level, you would think of it as like, wow, that is kind of exploitative, right? But then, I don't know, like the way she presents them, when you look at the work, it's like, like I look at the work and I was like, oh, she totally relates to these people. Like she is, yeah, she is low key, like one of them, just with different aesthetics, right? As far as like class goes. But I think, I think like that's- I that's what I like about Deanne's work because like you would think of her as like some pompous, you know, like bougie bitch. Right. But she, she handled her subjects with empathy. Um, she showed them that you can be marginalized and have dignity. Mm. And that's what I, that's what I appreciated about Arbus's work. Cause it was very honest, but it was also very honest in the sense that like these people that we look down on society are still people. Yeah, that's you know what I think that's I think that's fair. I, you know, walking through that exhibition, there was so much from archival prints that 
you know, I, I thought it was going to be one room, but it was yeah. it was a lot. So, and and I want to <laughs> interject. Fantastic. If you're listening right now and you haven't gone to the Arpis exhibition, you should totally check it out. Like it's yeah, if you're in it's Calgary, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. To and to your point, I never once, I mean it's it's fascinating uh on a theoretical level to imagine this woman kind of entering these so-called forbidden spaces to these marginalized people. And then, uh, like on a surface reading, hawking pictures of them <laughs> for art. But uh, you don't feel like anybody's been taken advantage of. There is this language in the photograph where they are interacting with the camera and it's not a stolen moment. Whereas, you know, just to put this in some modern context, I absolutely hate when so called street photographers take photographs of homeless people or addicts. Yeah. Do you have any and, name and online? Like, and like put the shit out onto the uh, onto the feeds because uh, that is exploitive, you know, for whatever a political, moral, whatever the fucking thing is. It's like, for uh, likes, dude. It's that's like the sad yeah, like, part about it is it's genuinely for likes, right? In our uh, in our magazine, uh, we had this young. Uh, she was studying photojournalism. I don't know if she does it anymore, Rebecca and. She had actually made these portraits of some homeless uh, people she had befriended on the street, and she had come up with these uh, stories that they had told about themselves, which I thought that was worth printing. And by the end, if we were going to do a fourth uh, a fourth publication, which never came to fruition, she actually asked me not to print them anymore because she actually had this feeling like it was becoming exploitative. And I was like, yeah, that's that's what that is, right? And so, like, uh, you know, her work because it's modern and young, it's not like this Diane Arbus thing where, you know, she's creeping into these little shanties that these people were living in and doing these like very uh, distorted photographs to kind of challenge the viewer to yeah. understand that, you know, right. Like there's we, something we see homeless people there, but... everywhere. Right. Yeah. Like it's nothing new. Oh, there's think, an epidemic. I think what, what Arbus did was like, kind of like open up the curtain a little bit to something that society at the time had not even like viewed at all, like did not think was possible. Sometimes I wonder, and this is a little bit just um, not self-defense, what's the word? Uh, like fearful speaking, but uh, you know, I, I always wonder if, when did she shoot? Like the 40s and 50s? Is that, feels like that on the tone, but I I, again, I don't, I don't know think, much about her. I think she was shooting commercially in the 40s and, sorry, I'm going to have to. While you, while you fact check me. Um, I would say even up to the 70s and 80s, you know, if you're uh, white generally and a photographer, you're existing in a very um, unique and not protected, but elevated space where you could get access because people uh, didn't have this jaded fear of how their images might be used against them. And uh, I mean, you have to spend a lot of energy to gain trust into a community that you're not a part of. Yeah, but there's also an element of privilege there because, you know, like if you're a black photographer in the '60s, you're not getting into you know a lot of spaces. Like you're just not going to get access to it. So you would think nowadays, with a lot more uh, like compassion, understanding, we would get more access. But the opposite has happened, and uh, now there's so much question about. Uh, even the permission to be representative of of a community or uh, an image, you know, if you're, if I'm a Korean guy and I take a picture of uh, a F- the Filipino fest, people might ask a question why I'm allowed to take pictures because I'm not Filipino. You know, it's yeah. getting to that level where it's becoming so microscopic that we're losing a lot of data. I think uh, I don't know if that's a bad thing necessarily, but it's just a strange thing now to think about. Uh, all this art that we have access to comes from this privilege, and there's a colonial part of that lens. But you know, what's the flip side, right? Like, where are we at now? Who's allowed to take pictures, Alvin? Okay, well, first of all, I um want to follow up with the Arbus thing. She yeah, yeah. so she did start commercially uh doing photos in the mid '40s with her husband, and then did the work up until she offed herself. But uh, to roll back to your question, yeah, you're right. Like, I think that. We do have a lot of access these days. I guess if you look at how uh, photos or photography was viewed um, historically, these images that, say, Arbus took were pretty novel at the time, right? Whereas, you know, as society progresses, um, these things become viewed as the norm, right? 
But there has been one constant throughout the entire history, with exemption of uh, Arbus's case. It's been like, you know, like straight white dudes using their privilege to get access, right? But also at the same time, while yes, the images are great, right? And yes, they um, portrayed subjects as people or whatever. I don't know. I feel like there's a missing element. Maybe I'm thinking too deep into this, but there's a missing element of like, you're still an outsider and like you've only really scratched the surface, right? That's why more people are advocating for, you know, more representation because say for for black photographers, right? You have Anne uh, Leibovitz doing, doing photos for black people and the black community, like, well, as far as I know on Twitter, we're not about that, right? Because, you know, there's still that kind of still a window that portrayal right. of like in a colonial sense i, I like yeah. i don't want to say that Anne Leibovitz is a fucking colonizer or whatever right but no no it's but the way uh, the way she showed yeah, the it's pictures encoded. it's like it's yeah. too it was like i don't know culturally didn't align culture culturally with black people whereas you have like andre wagner right who is taking these photos out in the street right and like you you just don't get that more intimate access just like you, like if you if you were at Filipino Fiesta, right? Like yeah. I feel like speaking as a Filipino, I feel that the only thing that non-Filipinos view Filipino culture is like, oh yeah, fucking lumpia, or like you guys are hard workers, right? Like oh fair, yeah, yeah. So you you end up training your camera only on moments that you recognize. Yeah, and it's like I don't know, like I think there's more to to show as far as Filipino culture goes right like sure. struggles um how there's multi-generational homes right how you're obligated to send money to your yes. family back home right and then there's also like other elements like what's it called homeland diaspora where like me being a filipino canadian person like i i still have this longing sense of visiting back home right even though like i barely go there like i i, I don't know like there are things like that. Um, no, I feel that. Also, the disassociation because we don't fit in either society, and I feel that too, man. Like I, I've been doing more research into Korea in the last three years of my life than I ever cared about in the first uh, uh, small whisper forty-two of them. Fuck, turning forty-five this year, which is embarrassing. But uh, you know, I've been to Korea when I was nineteen, and I didn't fit in there either because I don't speak. Korean, like I speak like a four-year-old and even when I do, I've got a Canadian Korean accent and, you know, I don't dress right and I don't uh, uh, subscribe to the same customs, etc. So I feel that, you know, it's interesting, A, hearing you, I think that's, you know, you did kiddo, but I think there's a bigger project sitting waiting for you to turn on because you already know, uh, you already know what you want to look at. B, I was thinking about, yeah, the coding thing. Maybe that's my problem shooting Calgary is that I have such negative associations right now that I don't want to take pictures of cowboys and racists, right? But that's not what Calgary is. And I think that's my problem right now is that I'm not going out because the only thing I see are negative things. So uh, I got something I got to look at. We do also have in our culture this worship because only white photographers were given, uh, you know, publicity and access to propaganda. So it's not like the work isn't being done. It's just... It's just not being shown. It's just not being shown. Yeah. What are we going to do about that? I don't know, man. I, like, to me, to me, it exists, right? Regardless. And that's, that's a good thing about social media, right? Like, you can, you can still show interesting work these days. Like, more people are allowed to be photographers these mm-hmm. days. And that's great. Oh, air quotes, air quotes. Because, like, if you have more access, then you have, like... Uh, there's a there's a bigger talent pool, right? It's a lot more noise, though. And I, it is a, it is a lot more noise for sure. You're you're 100 correct, but I think the people who are doing good work will still, I don't know, like hopefully it, rise. It, it'll out of yeah, them. it'll it'll outshine the the noise, you know. But there are also people who are just like who are just fucking doing the work and not even yeah. not even showing it, like Vivian Meyer. Right. Yeah, this is the like you, mythology around Vivian and, Meyer, yeah. and I'm sure there are a lot of like Vivian Meyer like people that sure. are existing today. They are they are doing the work. They just don't have the care to show these things. You know, I wonder if the problem 
that we need to solve isn't, for example, like we joked around a couple of years ago about whether, you know, obviously we're both not really on the apps, but whether someone could create a proper, if not democratic, at least accessible photography app and people try and doesn't work. So maybe the problem is uh, we need to tackle who controls the algorithms and what the algorithms do. Because, you know, you're right. There are so many amazing creators, but if I log into Instagram, you know, I'm getting spoon-fed based on my geographic data, my age data, which are who's, irrelevant. Who's they're close by created by white people, right? Yeah. They don't even talk about gender preference because they're not even allowed to ask, but these are algorithms created by old I, white people. I don't even think it's- How do I find- how do I find people? I don't even think it's created by white people, right? Well, you you oh, are right in a sense, but like ultimately it's for advertisers, right? Well, I, I just mean like who's coding it? Like advertisers take advantage of it. And that's the way the ads suck. What I can tell you is that as far as like algorithms and like who can like seize like the means of the fucking algorithms or whatever, that the best experience that I've had on apps like Instagram, as far as viewing photos goes, is having my feed as chron in chronological order that was mm. the best experience for me because you know just seeing your yeah just like just like literally who i followed right and like from latest and greatest to, to oldest and mm. that i think that was the best experience as far as viewing photos goes because my feed as of right now like i'm seeing a lot of like repeating shit of things oh, that yeah don't even remotely in interest me and also instagram at, a at its current state is um it's just really trying to be like tiktok which is fine yeah, yeah. i guess it's a video ad platform now yeah but i don't know it's just not as fun anymore i feel like tumblr is one of the better ways to view photos because you know you can also have writing involved right to me I enjoy photo diaries, right? You could have your feed catered to, um, I guess, that kind of workflow. Whereas with Instagram, it's just like pictures and then like caption, hashtag, right? And nobody really wants to fucking read three paragraphs on your Instagram post. Let's be real. No, the Instagram is designed to, uh, yeah, wet your most impulsive appetite and then fuck you off to the next thing it's a scrolling app yeah uh, tumblr's funny like i haven't looked at tumblr in many many years i didn't even realize the uh icon is like a pink flower it is I, I, yeah i'm just on the app store right now well i mean to your point about how you're looking at tumblr it would be interesting if i, I can't remember there's a startup app i don't know if it's im or something but where you were kind of giving it some uh, algorithm cues, you'd be like, I want to see photographs of this style or whatever. Um, but that didn't work very well because I was just getting pumped feeds of commercially uh, renowned photographers and I don't really want to see that either. You know, I, I don't want to look at pictures by a guy that has a million followers because I don't necessarily think that they're better. But that's, you know, it's interesting, like, you know, maybe I shouldn't characterize it as just old white people, but the, the language comes from there because... Like it's kind of like what I was talking about earlier, why I can't take pictures of Calgary. There is somebody that has made a list of what it means to be a Calgary photographer. And those boxes, those predefined boxes are going to be like, for as an example, you know, cowboy hats, uh, stampede, um, you know, Olympics, 1988 Olympics, it's, you know, Christian demographic. There's going to be this compiled list, but it's not going to be reflective of the modern multicultural society that actually exists in the city now, right? Nobody's going to, associate Calgary with a Filipino community or a Vietnamese community or a Sikh community. It's just not how that algorithm is going to go. Now, there could be a targeted algorithm, let's say in the Northeast of Calgary, based on some demographic data. But even within that, it's probably going to be fairly topical because it's these are not monolithic societies. Nothing is. I mean, I, I am guilty for sure of putting people into boxes. But you know, if you take the huge Filipino community here, there are going to be a lot of disagreements about what it means to be Filipino, I'm sure. <laughs> so how do you Maybe. write an algorithm for that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a developer. Um, I tried coding and I am not. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not built for it. it. No. I'm too much of a dumbass to even like, no, man, get like a simple code Computer going. syntax is bullshit because it doesn't follow, follow English rules. I can't, I can't handle it. I I was bad at HTML too. I I'm just not. HTML was okay. It was 
it was doable, right? I kind of understood it as a 12-year-old, yeah. but I probably yeah. don't understand it now as a almost 32-year-old. Oh my god, 20 years ago. God damn. <laughs> have you ever have you Just ever heard of uh, the social media platform called Calgary Planet? No. No. Okay, well no. this is this is back when uh like personal web pages were a thing. Okay, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Okay. Like okay. Okay. I, I, are you familiar with Nexopia? No. Or uh, I think it was originally called Internexus. Oh. It was I think it was I think Internexus slash Nexopia was a website created in Edmonton. And it was like Canadian to to my knowledge, it was a pretty big Canadian social media site. And then you had blogs, right? Fuck, we should just go back to that instead, right? Like personal websites with blogs, right? Within a podcast run on RSS feeds. So this is technically a blog. Okay. That's why there's no analytics around it. So you have to put, yeah, you have to put all podcasting through art. They're basically blog posts that are in audio right. and uh, exist on that super old network. Right. But yeah, Calgary Planet was fun um, because you could code a separate page for your journal. You can- Pre-Facebook. You have like your intro, right? Which is really yeah. cool. And then like, I don't know, like like the internet back then was so much more fun because it was more- Creative. Yeah, it was more creative, like to the individual. And I feel like with with like apps these days, right? And like no one's really, mm. no one's really doing social media on a computer anymore, right? It's all within your phone. So you're, you're kind of constrained to- yeah um, that form factor i suppose you know what like the moment instagram introduced filters it fucked everything up right because i don't now all of i a thought sudden, they always had filters i joined in okay. 2010 oh and already had stuff like that uh, yeah because okay. Inst so, instagram was the way i if i recall correctly instagram was you know like it was you want to turn your your camera phones into like nostalgic film like phone film right? quality it was already doing that at the beginning yeah it was already doing that the moment you introduce a higher power to define the terms in which you could communicate, it's not creative anymore. Like I, I like Squarespace. My wife, like my wife, mostly can code to a certain degree and build websites on Squarespace, but it is still defined by the parameters of what Squarespace believes to be aesthetically pleasing, functional, and it also will self-manage the SEO, et cetera, which is great. I, mean, I think it's worth the money if you're looking for a web portal, and. Uh, just to be a dick, if you're looking for web portal and you don't know how to do it, come find me and you can pay me to build it for <laughs> you on Squarespace. Self-managing, man. Once it's set up, you don't need a, you don't need an IT guy. But uh, it does change the nature of how we communicate, right? Like TVs like that, movies are like that. They're culture forming. So this is all algorithmic. It's like somebody's in control with the way we talk to each other. Like, how do I show you a picture? Someone's in control of that. You know, it's weird. I don't know. It's, well, I I think now now that I really think about it, it's like, do you need to have your fucking shit out there for the world to see? Like, maybe yeah, we've talked about this before. Like, maybe know. we should just have um and An and intranet. this 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 quite like relates to politics too. Like 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 be involved locally, right? Because no one no one in fucking New York is gonna care about how your Calgary photos look, right? Because they don't well they don't fucking know like how calgarians are i mean Fair. there's gonna be like the one-off where you'll see like oh like this picture is like really fucking interesting right yeah yeah. but that's yeah, like culturally that's like a dime a dozen a dime in yeah. the fucking loony yeah they'll have a they'll like if you're in a big city you have some people have that nostalgia for a really small town and maybe you're like you know in a farming community and taking pictures and people will vibe into that just for you know, something mythological, but they're not going to care about a smaller city. I mean, I, I'm from Toronto and that was the case. If if I was a photographer in Toronto, I don't think I would give a shit even about, maybe Montreal's the cutoff, but, you know, Kingston or fucking, uh, sorry, Edmonton, Calgary, Regina. Yeah. You know, unless, all of these places I wouldn't, I wouldn't vibe at all. Just, photos, just out of snobbery. So Unless yeah. the photos were that good that it sort of transcends locality, right? As an individual moment, for sure. Yeah. But I don't know if I would follow... Yeah, a creator. I, I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't follow. Stuff like that I can't connect with. My podcast partner, Kyle, my buddy, we fight about this in movies. You know, any film in America that takes place in a small town is starting at a low point for me because I don't understand the community culture. I don't understand the context in which people talk to each other, have relationships. That's just not how I grew up. And sometimes that becomes a big bias in just enjoying a film. And I feel the same way about photography. Uh, That's fair. 
But have you considered Brokeback Mountain as something? <laughs> I haven't actually watched it yet. <laughs> it's actually really good. Should... And and it was filmed well, in Alberta as well. It's a good movie. You should watch it. Very sad. Sure. It looks, wa- sad. It looks sad. You should watch Brokeback Mountain for Pride Month, actually. Be more of an ally. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking finger wagging me now. All right. All right. The month. I always assume, again, so I don't take pictures. I just assume Calgary uh, refuses to celebrate it. Because we're a city of bigots, it's, which is not true well, functionally, but that's my impression of it. Well, so, uh, from from what I know, like a lot of um, queer people who live here find that Calgary is a progressive place. Yeah, like you have pockets of, you know, bigots. I don't know, like I've talked to some queer people and, uh, well, not to get too political, but they probably don't feel as safe right now. But No. I mean, they were like two years ago, right? They did feel a sense of like a safe space and a community. That's the weird thing. Like I remember, you know, when we first started hanging out, let's say 2017 up until some point, I felt like there were a lot of advocates and there was a lot of change. And, you know, we were getting even more visible pride stuff during this month and people painting sidewalks and, you know, a lot of artists getting a lot of access to very visible uh, and public spaces. But, uh, you know, as these hate groups get more marginalized, they get, become more vociferous and powerful. And it's fucking, like, at least from a fear-mongering news perspective, there's just too much right now about people getting attacked and, like, yeah. I don't know. I think from, like, a, a bigger societal standpoint, it's it's due to the deteriorating material conditions here. Like, healthcare yeah. is getting Broken. so much more worse by the minute here. And yeah. I've experienced it, and I talked to... Uh, healthcare workers and they're not having a great time living costs are just getting higher and like someone someone has to be blamed right but it can't be like people who hoard wealth or politicians catering to a higher class right it has to be the more marginalized people right and i don't know like people who are finally recognizing some sort of struggle don't know who to blame so they're being told to place your hate or blame on you know, right now, trans people, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's uh, some culture war bullshit. Well, I mean, we always end up here, so oh, just to steer away now. from too much politics. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in the context of- I thought we were talking about photos, man. <laughs> well, this, this is the interesting thing I just thought, I was just thinking. So if we presume too much, probably, on this uh, hierarchical, hierarchical uh, view, I'm probably saying that wrong, of the way we interpret value, it does reflect on photography and visual medium. I mean, this is the idea of a colonial lens, right? That there's somebody in a position on a perch, in a position of power, that sees things greater than the people at the bottom, which is fundamentally not true. But that is the current language, or the, so let's say previous generation's language of photography. And so we get this idea of what is exploitative because we use that word in labor as well. We have this idea of colonial, which is also reflected in politics and labor, and it transcends into or transmits itself into photography. But on the flip side, like even the awareness of it right now, is it making better photographs? You know, are we able to use that awareness to be better creators? I don't know, man. Like, you know, what makes what makes better visual language? And is there, I, I talk about this a lot with the movies, like, is there such thing as bad representation? I hate when we have Asian stereotypes, like for us, in a film. You know, it's, it's really upsetting. But you could also make the argument that it's better than nobody being in the film. I mean, I don't know if that's true. But if you didn't have the guy that got made fun of, the next guy who actually got a leading role would never exist. Because they wouldn't even consider that as a viable alternative in a film. So... You know, at some point, obviously, things have to become more educated and intellectual, but you know, it's, it's very confusing, man. Like, the only people that can make change are the people in power, and the only people who don't want change are the people <laughs> who have the power. And it's not just about money, right? Photography is the same oh, thing. Sure. Art's the same thing. So, I don't know, man. You know, I, uh, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe, maybe social media has democratized photography, and I'm just not aware of it. Maybe me having a piece at exposure or selling something or, you know, having, you know, however many followers is proof because maybe 15 years ago, I wouldn't even be allowed on this platform. I, I don't know. Uh, 
You know, maybe I'm missing the forest for the trees. That's a that that's a good question. Um, with social media democratizing photography, because to me it it has in some ways and it has it hasn't in others. Whereas you have you know um, YouTubers who may or may not have great photos, having more clout, and then I don't know. I don't really care at the end of the day. Like I just want to see great work. And I guess that maybe maybe you could maybe you could say what do you mean by democratization, right? Because um you have more access, right? You may not have as many followers or whatever, but the ability to get your work out there is much easier, right? You don't have to go through a publication any- anymore. Yeah, if you go through a publication, you will potentially get more views. But I don't know. Personally, for me, I haven't really looked at a, I haven't really followed any publications at all. I'm just like surfing on the web, trying to find great work. And sometimes, and as much as I hate Instagram's algorithms, sometimes I do come across some pretty great work, right? Sure. Sometimes I don't. So are, are you we too entitled? Are we like expecting too much now? Well, maybe we're just not good photographers. <laughs> oh yeah, and the work doesn't oh, speak for itself. That I can accept. I mean, I would never posit that uh, the level of my hate is because I ought to be at uh, Contemporary Calgary. I mean, that that's not the level I'm approaching this. But I, um, I think just topically, you know, maybe maybe you have this idea that social media is your medium for delivering photos when it should be something else. Yeah, right? that's fair. Because I've I've yeah. thought of, I've gone through this myself, and I've. I've thought of how else I could share my images and uh, I actually thought about having them on YouTube, right? Where I will just have like a slideshow almost. Yeah. Like a slideshow almost with like maybe some music in the back, get DMCA or whatever the fuck. Yeah. I thought about that and like how effective that would be. Yours could work or like on a website uh, where you have some control over when to move to the next image because you're, well, at least you have the ability to compile your work into narratives. I think uh, I tried that not in a thematic narrative, but I, the last post I have on my Instagram is just a sequence of building an image. And, you know, that that worked well enough as far as people being interested in it, but I just never followed up. And it's a lot of work, man. Videos, it is. Videos tough. Um, and as a photographer, you make a lot of concessions on video because you'll never get, you know, high, high resolution shit. The files get too big um, and the sequencing becomes a different craft oh it's video is so hard like i'm i'm currently doing uh i guess this like training vlog or whatever with like like my <laughs> with my workouts and like just having to do having to cut the footage right like just sim- oh, simple simple shit yes cutting footage and having like a voiceover on top of it, it it's fucking hard dude it's a lot of work and oh yeah i produced a youtube and, channel it's uh yeah. it's exhausting i had to cut it down to five minute videos because it's like that's it the thing, though, so quickly because like the content that like i've managed to produce like as far as recording goes if you bring it all together it's like 10 minutes of it's like a 10 minute video and then it's like i think to myself no one's really gonna fucking watch this but i'm still putting it out anyway but it also it's a lot of work so what am i working for and then ultimately wow. it's like it's at the end of the day it's like it's it's a diary whether i want to view it as that or not because it is it's a training diary for me and I'm still gonna fucking do it because I like I like um, keeping a log of myself for myself, and uh, that that actually kind of goes over to photography as well because I tend to use or I really enjoy using WordPress more because I do treat my photos like a diary, and uh, it doesn't have to be a diary. Sometimes, like I can almost kind of shit post as well, like do a fun little list of. My top 10, like Eric Kim, Eric Kim, like cringy things, right? Shout out to Eric Kim. Is he still around? Probably. I don't, I don't know. I, I was actually, this is a bit of a tangent, but I'm looking to do video essays on photography. And I thought of this like fun little one where like I make the case for Eric Kim and like how he's shaped uh, street photography and like, especially in like the YouTube space, which is... I'm like currently writing on it right now, brainstorming ideas, but yeah, hopefully if I get it out, it'll be fun. 
Yes, craft is interesting. I mean, I, if I'm taking anything away from this today's today's talk, is that uh, I have a lot of inherent biases that I need to address. Man, you got to be more open to things. Yeah, and uh, particularly biases that are restricting uh, my ability to see things. It's not just character. I, I will use them as characterizations of others, but it's in fact uh, a myopic lens, you know. And so when I go outside, I'm like focusing on things that upset me, which I think is, I think people would describe me that way anyways, and then uh, missing everything that's happening around him. Now the question then becomes, how do I train myself to see all the things that uh, I'm trying not to see? Yeah. And also like as far as your workflow goes and how you, how you distribute that work, it's like, okay, I'm currently dealing with say for Instagram, I don't like this, this and that, of the Instagram algorithm, but I do like, I, I do like how XYZ works on this platform. How can I work around that? Right? Like maybe yeah. you just have to think, how can you work around these, I, I guess like systems in place or whatever? No, I, that's right. I don't think that's a whatever. I think that's exactly what it is. And I, I'm reflecting now on how that might be the difference between people that quote unquote make it and people that don't. Really okay, different. well, here, never... I, I can give you this example. Say you use Twitch, right? Or you don't use, like, for example, yeah, yeah. for Twitch streamers, unless you're like 0.001% of a Twitch creator, you're not going to gain an audience. You have to be famous somewhere else. Like you have to yeah. be a YouTuber. You have to bring one. Yeah. yeah. You have to be like famous on TikTok or whatever. You have to be you know, you have to be prominent in another space in order to actually have numbers on like the Twitch platform. The same thing goes for Instagram, right? And it's also the content that's being catered to these platforms. So say you have YouTubers like Matt Day, who who makes videos, who has gained a lot of sub subscribers and who's gained a following on Instagram because of that following from YouTube. Yeah. Right. Finally, yeah. But I don't know, like, is that something you want or do you just want the work to be out there, right? That's like another question. And <laughs> it seems to be a question that like we always reel back well, to, right? The answer is we want both and we're not yet willing to do the work. I mean, if you want both, how do you build an audience when you're supposed to have one already? Well, uh, one thing you do is you go to every fucking exhibition <laughs> In the city, you shake every person's fucking hand. Exactly. Right? And that's like important. And it's not something that I'm willing to do anymore. It's actually how the magazine started. Because I was talking to every fucking person, every coffee shop I ever met. And eventually, you know, I'm getting access to building shows that I actually, that was not my intent, you know, to meet these people. I was just excited to be free of my corporate overlords and to just try something fundamentally different. And I thought was more in tune with my spiritual need at the time. Uh, and I just don't do that anymore. I mean, maybe it and was, but like because of the conditions you have to deal with, it didn't work out. Oh, it's right? yeah, yeah. It was yeah. not corrupted. I, I think that's... No, it's just like, it, it, it's literally it like apart. how the game works, right? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I got to the point where people were telling me I could ask for money and I chickened out. And I think that's where that collapsed. But I think that's the same time where I started getting scared of taking pictures in general. Yeah, interesting. Damn, that really fucked you up, huh? Yeah, so it came at the wrong time, right? Like, it's not just the money. Like, I got sick when I was having, right? See, not yeah, to yeah. make this about you know, how hard my life is, but I'm getting seizures and running out of money and like putting all this energy. You know, I was looking at uh, my previous calendar for this new work I'm doing. And I realized like a lot of the bigger shows ended up happening in between seizures. So like, I didn't even have a car. Like a Harvey's show, the house party, I realized I was taking Ubers and cabs. And I was like, uh, walking to Phil and Seb's, for example, to meet artists and like put on shows. Like, it's just, fucking exhausting, right? And so putting in even more labor, dealing with my own physical fragility, uh, psychological stuff, the whole thing, parenting. I mean, you know, you got three, I only have one, but it's hard when they're toddlers to like manage all the time. So I think it was everything all happened at once. And then when it broke, it's like, I'm not thinking about it starting as one thing at a time. I'm actually thinking about doing all of it 
together. So yeah. it's like insurmountable. So I won't even start, which is a mistake, you know, but, uh, yeah, fuck, at least you know now, right? Yeah. Well, we went to the Deanne Arbus exhibition. That was a big step for me. I, uh, haven't been to a public opening in so long. Like mm. I went to Danny's. Uh, Maybe you just need to go to more so that, I don't know. I like, think so. Yeah. Cause I don't know. Like, I think, I think that's really, that's a healthy way of viewing photography. Cause you're not kind of stuck in your own bubble. Like you have other ways of consuming, um, photography as well. Right. You're looking at different work, which could inspire you. Yeah. Yeah, like All this even, work can make you think about how you approach your own work, right? Well, we're doing that right now. Yeah, exactly. I, so just go to more of those and the problem yeah, is fixed. Yeah, we should. <laughs> Maybe that'll be part of the podcast uh, requirement. I mean, that shows the first time I saw JC in probably three years, you know? Yeah, uh, I haven't seen JC in yeah. last time I, funny enough, last time I saw him was uh, during the Pride Parade. <laughs> oh yeah, you guys are chatting about that. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is held yeah, in man. September, which is very strange because well, uh, Pride Month is in June, it's Alberta, or at least in the North American sense. North America, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's, it's better odd. to do it in June while momentum is rolling. But yeah, hey, what do I know? Good. I'm not part of that community. No, I, I think you lose that sense, one sense of solidarity, anyways, because you're not doing it at the same time, right? Pride Month is essentially just rainbow capitalism, right? Like it's just a bunch of corporations yeah, I mean, just trying to fucking get oh, the gay so. people to buy their shit. So it's Filipino Fiesta, right? Yeah, like I should be going there, but I don't because I don't know. I feel like there's more to us than food. But I guess like that's how most cultures are like food and performances are how most cultures like those are the main vehicles for showing how a culture works. So maybe I should go to that more. To open a door, right? I don't want to go to a Filipino festival and have a booth telling me how brutal dictatorship has destroyed the diaspora and how, you know, <laughs> it was, he's basically a human trafficker, right? And like telling his people to get the fuck out so we can send him money, so we can build palaces. Like that's too heavy. You know, it's a heavy context for a summer evening <laughs> while you're eating some food. But uh, like Korea's too. Like uh, we went to Korea Fest once, uh, the one in uh, Kensington. And it was great. It, was, it reminded me of the old uh, church picnics I used to go to in Toronto. And there was like a bunch of tables and they're selling food and knickknacks and snacks. But nobody's got a fucking comfort woman station, right? Or like photographs of uh, people being tortured during the Japanese occupation. They, but, should, uh, they should have that. Ha! They should have that. They should have the, the AM show uh-huh. where it's uh-huh. all the fun shit. Yeah. Right? Fucking Jim Jilbongs, right? Like fucking... <laughs> and then like in the evening you have fucking... And knock you on your ass. Like one of the presentations we had with our little peer group that I'm doing this training with, it was amazing. Uh, this woman in our group, she's uh, she wrote a dissertation on the power of refusal. And one of the projects she showed, and you might know about this, is a photographer built an exhibition where he took lynching photos, but erased all the victims. And so it's just with context and a little blurb, photos of amassing white people who have come to watch the show of torturing a black person hanging from a tree or buried in the ground alive or whatever. And so you get this fucking weird effect where you have to ask the question, why are all these people like in the 1920s hanging around this tree? And if you read the epitaph, there's like, or the little paragraph, they've cut out the hanging body that they've all been fucking beating with a stick and and cutting, castrating and shit. So like there's stuff out there, right? Where you're like, it can be challenging, but uh, should that be in a public park or do you need to buy tickets for that because you're prepared to have that conversation? And I don't know, you know, uh, I wouldn't want my kid to be walking <laughs> in Stanley Park I, and then all of a sudden see a picture of like a tortured, you know, a dismembered body of a woman, right? It's like, that's that's a little fucking I get it. It's real and we need to talk about it, but that's like- I get that's it. That's a tough one. Um, uh, no, no, I, I, totally, I totally get that. I think there are some restrictions to that. No. Um, which is, it's funny because I think about like how abortion advocates or oh, man. like, like pro, pro-life pro advocates hang around Bring downtown with their pictures and shit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think about that and, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, I guess I'm just more decent like... that I wouldn't want to show like images of violence out in broad daylight. So hmm, take it for what it's worth. Well, there's a hypocrisy, right? If you're trying to pretend to be uh pro-life and waving around photographs of death. You know, you have 
<laughs> you say you're pro-life, but you're about to die. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fuck. The propaganda. It's so violent, right? And so it's not just war and politics. It's like, ah. Oh. Well, you know the saying, you're not immune to propaganda, which I do believe. Yeah. I think it's just like, like which biases you you uh get reinforced or yeah well it's yeah. like you you conform to right because yeah i'm aware of uh the propaganda i'm subjected to whether it's mm. between like the left or the right it's just what i choose because what i think is it's is better for society or whatever right but at least i'm aware of it i'm not like me i can never be yeah, yeah. immune to propaganda manipulated right like i like i'm actually aware of like the content that i'm consuming and it's like hell yeah like this is what i believe in and at uh, some level we're aware of it yeah yeah but if there's something like from the left or whatever that's like a bit questionable i'll be like all right well i don't agree with it but maybe i'll do some more reading into it or whatever right mm, mm. yeah but at least i'm aware there was a time when i was braver where if an art i did this in covid like if there was an article that came out talking, let's say about vaccines, I would look for an article that was anti-vaccine because I just wanted to see like what data people were utilizing. Yep. And what's interesting is that uh, there's two biases there. One, you have to confront your bias that an anti-vaxxer is automatically wrong. But there's also a sub-bias that provided data is in fact accurate. And, um, you know, I'm vaccinated. I don't want to sound like a fucking, uh, you know, a flag-waving libertarian or whatever they're I'm called. I'm not. But- I want to bring back Alberta from the tyranny I love, of I love Justin Mono. Trudeau and the Nazi government. Polio. You know what? If my <laughs> well, kid gets polio, well, he was just the, weak. The, the, the no, funny thing, you. the funny thing about that is like how people say that vaccines aren't—they're uh, not natural, right? And you have yeah. to rely on your natural immune system. It's like, bitch, like, like chemotherapy is not natural. Yeah. Like the thing. The, here's the thing about humans: like humans are historically known to overcome what is natural. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like like buildings are not natural. Well, we if we weren't able to do that, we wouldn't have survived as a species. Yeah, exactly. Fucking pathetic. Like, of course right? it's not we natural, can. but like it's oh, gosh. it's an invention that we use to overcome what's supposed to be natural. It is also interesting to think about how underneath the most uh, vociferous assholes, there's still data somewhere in there. You know, what they choose to champion and and you know, uh, be violent about, I don't know, like anti abortion people. They're sick because they're so violent at other people. But if they want to believe in when a human spirit inhabits a cell, do whatever the fuck you want, right? Like you can believe it or you can have your Catholic and Mormon 15 babies in a family. Fucking you do you. Don't shove a picture of a fucking miscarried kid because you're not showing how much that woman suffered from having to birth that fucking thing. Like that's, it's lost in context and they're just trying to anger. So it's like, I got to be careful on both sides. I just don't like how angry people utilize yeah, data. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's it's like yeah, you can accept the data and the facts, but how that how that data is being used as a vehicle to to serve like whatever narrative, Some, right? Right, right. But um, hey, uh, I gotta yeah, go. go. What a way to uh, end. Uh, yeah, what did we solve this episode? I don't know. Last last <laughs> week we solved capitalism. We don't have to solve uh, anything. We're just spitting. We solved uh, cultural bias today. It's fucking. Yeah, we, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. I'm just like, I don't, I'm not really here to solve anything. I just want to have uh, ideas out shit. and all right, all right. create my own little uh, echo chamber and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, reinforce these ideas that I have in my head and not, 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 uh, not, not have take to any other to anybody's outside bullshit. Yeah. You know? Yeah.